this week, as I'm sure you're all aware, the community lost a very talented young driver by the name of Justin Wilson. Um, Justin was kind enough to come by and do an episode of Hooniverse very early on uh, when we were still recording in my house. So it was a little surreal when we found out that um, the accident happened and ultimately he died. Um, that said, at least a handful of people are now going to get the organs they need uh, due to the generosity of, of himself and his family. So at the very least, we can be thankful that those people get the things that they need. Um, but otherwise, it's it's been a sad week. And uh, in Memorial, we're going to rerun the episode that... Um, that we had with Justin some time ago. Uh, I hope you enjoy it and um, give you a little insight into the great guy he was and uh, why he was so loved in the sport. Welcome to episode 55 of the Hooniverse podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Glucker, and joining me when he's not being a famous automotive journalist is my podcast life partner, Blake, Zone of Twilight Wrong. Ooh, good one. Yeah, thank you. It's harder and harder to think of these. Yeah, it really uh, is. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing lovely. Good. Doing great. Lovely. That's that's a good word. Lovely. <laughs> um, well, the Long Beach Grand Prix is just a few days away. Um, by the time you listen to this, you, it will all have already happened. Oh, what and a great race, wasn't it? Yes, it was fantastic. That was great. Remember when that guy won? <laughs> yes. Well, speaking of, uh, we're joined by special guests who will be gunning for the win come Sunday, Justin Wilson. Good afternoon or good evening. Yes, thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here in the Podcast Palace. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks very much. It's, it's good to be here and obviously... Uh, Looking forward to the Long Beach Grand Prix. Um, you mean you 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 were happy how happy. it went? Yeah, you. I mean, you won by two minutes. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Margin of in you know, Long Beach, in history. racing history, right? Uh, normally, we kick this podcast off by talking about new cars, but screw that because race cars are cooler than whatever we're driving. Um, so I want to dive right into to your world. Uh, and I, I'm going to assume that you started your career the traditional way by video games to illegal street racing to straight into professional racing, right? Yeah. That's, how that's, I became, how, that's how I became an older journalist. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, something like that. Actually, when I started racing, there were no video games. It was, <laughs> uh, it was a while ago now. I don't realize how, you know, I used to be one of the youngest guys racing and, and uh, now I'm one of the older guys and everyone looks up to me. So it's uh, not sure what happened. But, um, <laughs> you know, I started racing go-karts. Right. And eight years old, racing go-karts, and it was just freedom. You know, you can oh, yeah. behind the wheel for the first time, and it's just that freedom of being in control. And for an eight-year-old, it was, and it was quite a thrill. I, I know. I So I, I've only ridden real karts once. I, you know, I do tons of K1, which like is nothing. Carts, I, I feel like I'm a, a king at K1. Yeah, I've never done real outdoor karts. Right. And then the one time I did do them, I went... And the guy's like, yeah, you know, this isn't like K1. I'm like, hey, yeah, well, whatever. We'll see. Lap record coming up. <laughs> and, I mean, first corner, if, you, if you're braking wrong, if you're hitting the throttle wrong, it just exposes so many things about uh, how the weight transfers in the car and just throttle applications and braking app. It was un- – I spun so many times. I was so frustrated. I was, I was like, i got to go back to K1. I can't do this. Yeah, uh, and that's how it is. You know, the, the quicker the, the vehicle you're driving, the more magnified everything is. So you've got to really – 
fine tune and focus down onto the, the minute details because they make a, a huge difference. So, uh, you know, that's what we find when we come to the racetrack is, you know, you, you're working on these a couple of feet here and brake release and trying to get the brakes to come off at the right time and, and how you deal with that, with just the application and release of the pedals is huge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I entered the corner... And then if you if you come right off the brakes, you're gonna you're gonna something bad's gonna happen. You gotta it's it's insane. And then I guess that just that's where you start your your footwork comes into play. And then I imagine it just magnified, like you said, at every level it goes up. Things are faster, reactions happen. And yeah, and it, you know, people often think we just drive a car around the street for <laughs> a couple hours, and you know what's the big deal? Right. But, you know you, you have to work pretty hard at it to. Uh, not only the concentration and trying to get that feel constantly you know, balancing the car on the edge, but physically, there's no power steering, there's there's no power system brakes, so um, it's all raw, giving you the feel you want as a driver, but it makes it pretty tough. You, know, you get out after the race and you, your arms are pretty pumped up, you know, you're, aerobically it's a workout, um, so it's... Uh, it's not a cakewalk like people imagine. Now, if you went from, because you drive Indy cars now, uh, amongst other things, if you then hopped into like a Formula 3000 car, would you be like, oh, this this is fun? Like, Or or would it still be, uh, you know, I'm on, my senses are on, let's go? Yeah, I mean, as far as... Um, like you wouldn't be one-handing it around the track? <laughs> no, in some ways, it's always easier to go back. So you drive, when you drive something quicker and then you step back into something slower, it's easier. Okay. You know, your, your mind learns to speed up. So uh, you drive an Indy car, things happen at a certain pace and certain cadence, and you go, you, you're on it. And uh, it's, it's like an adrenaline rush. You're, you're totally wired up after a race, and everything's happening really fast. And then if you step back and drive something, you know, in a couple of categories down or the next category down, it all happens so much slower, and you've got time to think about it. And, you know, you're not physically holding the wheel with one hand, but mentally you are. Okay. You're, you're taking it easy. It's like, yeah, yeah, I can deal with this. <laughs> you know, nice. You know, whereas, yeah, like an IndyCar or Formula One, um, you're, you're intense, and you're taking all that in as, right. you know, as, as fast as you can. Yeah. Now, um, in, uh, in 1998, you were a runner-up for the McLaren Autosport Young Driver Award which is huge. That's a, I mean, that's a, a major thing. Jensen Button won that year. Do you look forward to the day when you can go wheel to wheel and right this wrong? <laughs> <laughs> uh, fun question. <laughs> I actually raced with Jensen from eight years old. We started racing go-karts at the same time. It was, uh, there was a whole group of us back then. Uh, Jensen Button, Dan Weldon, uh, the late Dan Weldon, um, Anthony Davidson, who also raced in F1, raced sports cars, um, Jay Howard, you know, there's a whole group of us that we had no idea at the time that we would make it to this far in motorsport. We just did it. We're, you know, dads were motivated, uh, <laughs> karting dads to, to see us get there, but we were just happy to be driving and sure. competing. And, um, you know, that competition just, just pushed us on and we, we all kind of did something half decent with it. Yeah. And when you moved out of karting, you went to, uh, I believe you started driving Vauxhalls, right? Yeah, it was a class called Formula Vauxhall Junior, which is a bit like Formula Fords. You know, back then, they went into this big cycle of everyone's got to have a championship. So uh, a series started up, we used a Vauxhall engine, which is uh, 
not Opal, but uh, right. Chevrolet equivalent yeah. over here. Um, uh, and it was the series to be in for a couple of years, and that's what I did. So, uh, Were those four cylinders? The four cylinder, um, no wings, no aerodynamics, slick tire. So, you know, for a 16 year old, <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's like a driver development program, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's it. And, you know, in every category you move and progress through, you're gaining horsepower, downforce. Uh, the car's getting quicker, more demanding to drive, and it's just teaching you. So you, you go through this, what we call the ladder, and you just build up and get faster so that you're prepared for every situation. The racecraft, you learn back when you're racing go-karts. Right. right. That's, that's where that pays off tenfold. You know, we think we're, we're hooning around and just having a, a blast, but you're actually learning so much at that point, and that's what you use today. And you're also having a blast. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's that, and, and you know... That was our equivalent of playing video games. These days, yeah. we do go and play video games. I was playing video games this morning. So. Nice, yeah. <laughs> so do you still do the simulator and everything, too? Yeah, yeah. I was, um, I was just down the road, actually, at CXC. I went to see my friends there and drive their, their latest simulator. So that, that was a lot of fun. What do they run? iRacing or...? Uh, iRacing, a little bit of R-Factor. Um, personally, I'm, I'm big on iRacing just because they, they scan the racetrack. So you, you yeah. have the like bumps and everything. And audio elevation change is still few accurate, right? Yeah, yeah. Although, obviously, you lose the sensation yeah. um, on, a, on a simulator, but still, it's, it's very accurate. Everything's down to fractions of a millimeter. Yeah, someone was telling me they, they did an iRacing program, uh, and they normally drive at Lime Rocks, their home track, and there was this one section where they always know to line up at a certain spot, and they'll feel a bump, and they felt it in the game. Like, that's how crazy iRacing is supposed to yeah. be. Uh, and that's why we use it, because you, you go there, you, you, you drive the simulator, you learn the racetrack, you learn some of the nuances, and then you can take that to the real world. Uh, you, know, you turn up at a track that you don't know, and you're straight on the pace, and it, it's a big benefit. So, I mean, simulators must have, I would assume for most teams, they've become a major tool in general for making you guys better. I mean, everybody has to use them. Well, yes and no. In Formula 1... Every team's got their own simulator. In IndyCar, no one has one. There's a couple of teams um, have started to put their own together using an old crash turbo, <laughs> put a screen on it, and you know, connect up some controls. But um, no one's gone to the level they have in Formula One because, you know, say so Formula One, they're spending right. five, ten million dollars on their simulation program. Jeez, is, <laughs> yeah, that's an IndyCar budget. Right, I was going to say that's <laughs> crazy. That's crazy. Pretty serious. Uh, gaming, but yeah, they go to the huge rooms. You know, that's the latest thing now. He's got this huge warehouse and set up a track system and put the pod on this track system and actually physically move you around this warehouse Jeez. to try and simulate the G forces. That's yeah. insane. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's insane. I mean, I they have probably have like that. the Navy, like, that. hey, go, can we borrow your system? And yeah. NASA ring, knocking yeah, on the door. Can we use this for our drone program? Right. <laughs> um, so. We're, Go ahead. I was wondering, where did you go after Vauxhall? Because there's a you entered, you first did um, a Formula One testing in 2001, right? Yeah, um, I did a, a class called uh, Formula Palma Audi, which is an Audi four-cylinder turbo engine. I won that, and that got me a free drive in F3000 from 3000 to Formula One. Uh, I raced F1 only one year, but drove for Minardi and Jaguar. So uh, that was in 2003. Wasn't the first time you entered Formula One they thought you were too tall? Oh, the first time I test drove, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I test drove for for a team called Jordan at the time, which is right. I've changed names so many times now. But so I, I test drove for Jordan, um, 
and then I also later that year got an opportunity to drive for Minardi. Um, I knew Paul Stoddard and um, he was a good guy and he had an opening for one race and I went and I couldn't get in the car. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't consider myself tall but I guess I am tall for a racing car driver so uh, I couldn't quite get in. I, you know, my knees were hitting on the, the top of the turb and my feet were jammed in and it's pretty hard as a, as a driver to say I can't right, it. yes. I mean, if someone's yeah. like, hey, you hop in that F1 car, you'd be like, I can't. Yeah. I can't. That, that is pretty hard. That would kill me. Yeah. I mean, I obviously don't have that problem. And, and well, F1 cars are still small even for me. So. He gives he gives me hope even though I've never taken the right uh, training. I'm <laughs> overweight. Um, but, but you're we're a journalist. Same, we're about you're, the same. We're nearly the same height. So there's still hope for me even though I'm, I'm going to be 34. So, uh, but you're, you're a journalist. It's okay. <laughs> Right, yeah. yeah. I just go to a V school and, it's really and all that matters. really learn how to do it. Um, <laughs> like, like Blake was saying, um, you've been running into cars since uh, 2008, but you still jump to other races occasionally. You, um, most notably, I'd say Daytona, uh, Le Mans, 2003, you did Formula One. Uh, you're in Indy now, um, and maybe you're supposed to say this is your favorite racing series, but what's your favorite racing series? <laughs> and if you say this, it's fine. We'll accept that. Yeah. Uh, it's actually playing video games. Okay. We were playing Need for Speed before you walked. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah. that was, was good to. Try yeah, there's less cops in IndyCar, aren't there? Yeah, 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 less car chases. Yeah, it's, it's those cops, you know, chasing you down. And, um, but when I think back over it, you know, Le Mans was really cool. That's it's one of those events you've got to go to at some point in your career and or you know experience. Um, yeah, the festival and the activities and, and just that whole environment. So that was great. Um, you know, I grew up in England. Formula One was the pinnacle. My my aim was to make it to Formula One, and I've done that. But when I got there, um, I didn't enjoy it. So, you know, it's, it's a very political place. Right. Um, so, the moment. Well, judging by every scene I've seen from Senna, it's all politics. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, exactly. except the good scenes when he's driving. Yeah. You know, driving the car is great. I mean, it's the best car ever. When I drove it, it was the V10. Oh man! Oh man! Yeah. What do you think of the new noise? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a sound that you can I mean, hear with your ears. Even last year, yeah. it was getting this like, blah, 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 blah. it sounds like a pack of muted Subarus going around a track. Like, yeah. I, I kind of like it, but that's my... You're crazy. <laughs> yeah, Give me the scream. <laughs> yeah, the V10s yeah. were awesome. They, now, they, now, they just oh. felt great. <laughs> now, Jaguar didn't last too long. The Jaguar F1 team didn't last too long. Were you with Jaguar like to the end, like when they disbanded um, I or was got there... sold? A year before they switched names, and then some small beverage company bought them. Oh. And, um, yeah, now they won a few. Oh, Tab. Years. You're talking about Tab, right. Tab gotcha. F1, yeah. Tab. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's Tab funny. F1. So uh, I'm curious about when you were doing, I believe this was right around Formula One time, you uh, sold shares in yourself to generate money, and you sold 900 shares. I mean, you essentially created a Kickstarter campaign before Kickstarter. How, I, what, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's something that just kind of grew. Um, it started off my, you know, I was trying to get into Formula 1. I won the F3000 Championship, like the, the junior level to Formula 1 back in 2001. And I went to these F1 teams like, hey, you know, can I have a go? And yeah, sure. <laughs> Calls next week. Yeah. You know, I didn't really get anywhere. Um, so that next year, I raced another series, less well-known, um, didn't win it. I finished fourth in the championship and went back to those teams and said, hey, I got $2 million. How about oh, yeah. the door couldn't open fast enough? How right. was it? 
So, so well, how do we find two million dollars? Details. At that point, you know, my manager at the time was a guy called Jonathan Palmer, ex Formula One driver, and he said, "Well, when I tried to break in, I had a couple of people invest in me." So we floated that idea and got a lot of positive feedback from um, just fans and supporters started to write in and said, well, how do we invest? At the time, we were thinking maybe find 10 people right. um, to put in large chunks, but getting all these people saying, we want to get involved. So that's when it grew into something more and ended up opening it up. The minimum shares was the equivalent of $1,000 and... Um, People put their money in. It's high risk, but it and it was for them. one season, right? The the money paid for one season. Okay, but because the, like there's not 900 people now. Like, come on, come on, Long Beach. <laughs> there was. There was. He went for 10 years. Really? Yeah. Wow. So uh, oh, so last year. Any money I earned got paid back to them. That's crazy. And they would pay out a set salary that I would live on, but the majority of the money was the idea was to keep there, build it up until they earn back what they put in, plus interest. I got to do this for How do I website. sign up? <laughs> I think this is what we're going to do for Hooniverse. Just kickstart uh, yeah. it. Yeah. Um, do it for the podcast. We can be, get paid in beer. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, now, and before, we're eventually going to dive more into Long Beach, but uh, uh, I want to talk about a little bit about the history some more, too. So you nearly did a back to back at Daytona. Which is awesome. You won in twenty twelve. Yeah. With Shank. And then you came in second in uh in twenty thirteen. If you'd pull that off, would you wear both Rolexes at the same time? Oh for sure. Yes. There's one on each wrist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I wanna win it again for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> to I always remember being on the podium the first time and I think Montoya had won it that year. And you know what Montoya's like. He he's He's pretty confident, so uh, <laughs> the guy comes up and presents him with his Rolex, which, you know, you're pretty grateful for. He's like, like, thanks. I've got two of these. Can I get a different one? Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> On the podium. Can I, can I get a GMT Master or right. something? What what which races good. does Omega sponsor? Um, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, two-door now. What, so what, what's it like running an endurance race like that? Is it just absolutely insane? Yeah, it is. <laughs> You've got to look after the car, but it's still a sprint race. The cars these days, they last. You don't have to nurse them at all. You don't have to try and short shift to look after the engine. The engine's done five 24-hour dyno runs up to that point, so they know. It, we're going to rev it to 7,400. It'll do that all day long. So there's no nursing trying to protect the car. Try not to hit anyone. Right. That's the biggest thing. You want to get to the end of the race with the car totally intact with all the bodywork, the little you know, fenders on it that you need for it to balance. It seems like that's the key these days is just yeah. keep the car on the track. You've got to run flat out, stay on the lead lap, but keep it on the track and not damage it. So you get that last hour, the guys in the car can really go for it. And then when you, when, how long is your stint? Typically about an hour and 40 minutes to two hours. And, uh, and how long is an IndyCar race? IndyCar race is about an hour and 40 minutes. To okay. So you do, a, you do a full IndyCar race, you get out, you leave it five or six hours, and then you get in and do it all again. So it's physical. Um, we, we're fortunate in, in the sports car, you've got power steering, but it's still physical to, uh, to just keep repeating that. And you've got to rehydrate, you've got to eat, uh, try and get some rest before you go out and do it all again. Are you able to take naps between stints? I've learned to over the years. Nice. Yeah, I mean, in the middle of the night, it's it's kind of weird though because you get out and you know you get out say in, in third place or second place and you look at the big timing tower and okay there we are P two, 
you go back to the motorhome, you know, try and get dried off and, and warmed up again, because it's pretty cold even in Florida in the middle of the night, um, and then try and get some rest and trying to switch off right. from everything that's going on, you know, that adrenaline that I mentioned, you, you're trying to just relax and, um, and you just get off to sleep, <laughs> and there's a knock on the door, okay, it's time to get up, oh. you've got to go and do it again, and then you, you're kind of half asleep and all dreary. And, oh, that would make me so nervous. Yeah, and you've got to jump in this race car, <laughs> I mean, literally, the car comes in, you've got 10 seconds to get in the seat, Jeez. And get fastened in, and you're off, and you're flat out again, so... Uh, and don't make any mistakes. No mistakes. That's crazy. Yeah. It's... it's it's fun. Um, how many? How big's your team for Daytona? Daytona, it's four drivers. Okay, um, and that seems to be the number most teams like these days, right? Even for Le Mans and stuff yeah. too. Yeah, for the twenty-four races, it works pretty well that way because it gives you just enough time to rest and um, and get some sleep that you can perform, like I said, one hundred percent all the time. Hmm. And what what class were you doing? What class were you in when you were in Le Mans? Uh, I raced in P one class. So okay. The, the main class we were racing against the Audis. Wow. Uh, I drove back in 2004 so in a, uh, a dome with a Judd engine. Okay. Um, so the dome is a, a Japanese manufacturer. Right. Great little car. They made uh, the Dome Zero. Yeah. 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 It, it was really cool. So uh, uh, a team called Jan Lammers Racing or Racing for Holland. Um, and we we were pretty quick, but unfortunately, um, I had a gearbox problem and my teammate crashed it with an hour and a half to go oh, oh, that's rough but um, it was the gearbox's fault not your teammate's fault well, right maybe maybe <laughs> yeah um how insanely awesome is it to drive a v8 supercar is it so awesome because i have to imagine it's so awesome <laughs> yeah they're pretty cool yeah um and you ran the holdings but that was right as the team switched to nissan's right yeah yeah, yeah um Cool car, yeah. You know, just so much power uh, and so much torque. You know, those. That's like, what NASCAR should be, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, same. NASCAR should be Australian V8 supercars. The races, the finishes, the fans. I mean, we, NASCAR has good fans, but the, the partying and the crashes and the spectacle. They got that stuff yeah. in NASCAR, but but V8 supercars is just you know start to finish racing. Some of those finishes are unbelievable, yeah. and it's rookies challenging. Top guys like Win Cups fending off someone and it, yeah, V8 Supercars. It's, <laughs> it's good, racing. it's cool. It's um, they're fun to drive, but also just the, the right mix and the, the level of driving is unbelievable. You go there as a first time driving a V8 supercar and you think, okay, yeah, I've raced this track, I've raced at Surface Paradise before, I know what to expect. And you get in and you're breaking 100 feet too early. I mean, you have to break before you can see the corner because those things go so fast in a straight line. Doing 190 miles an hour down some of those straights. Jeez. And they don't stop. You know, yeah. They weigh a couple of times. Yeah. They don't want to stop. Um, so you've got to start breaking before you can see it, but you're breaking way too early. and you know, You're five seconds off the pace. And you think, wow, I really don't know how to drive a race car. <laughs> and you just have to keep chipping away at it because those guys don't leave anything on the table. So yeah. I, I enjoyed the weekend. It was great fun. Um, unfortunately, they don't invite us back anymore. We, they, all the international drivers wrecked too many cars. Oh, no. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so, you, I mean, you've raced all over the globe. Uh, do you have some of your favorite tracks? I know you said Le Mans is a, is a legendary race, but, I mean, just favorite circuits or tracks. Best, best venue I've been to, um, the best atmosphere is the Indy 500. Oh, really? Yeah, 
that that's really neat. So if I work down my list, I'd say the Indy 500, um, Le Mans, Daytona, um, Long Beach. Long Beach. <laughs> Long Beach for me this year on our schedule is number two. If I can win this, one, well, yeah, would you do third last year? We were third last year. Yeah. So um, it's the one race I haven't won. I want to win it, and uh, you know, it's it's the the second most important race on our cal- on our calendar. So uh, which your first? First is obviously the 500. Yeah, and and yeah. going by the numbers for the 500, I mean, if you keep if you look at how you've done, this could be a podium year. I mean, basically, what were you fifth last year, yeah. seventh the year before, and then like 16th, and you know, so you're just chipping away at it. And yeah, just keep moving up there, and um, it was hopefully this year is the one where we can finish in the top three, if not win it. But um, there's so many things that have to go right in that event. Things and there's up. there's minimal banking at Indy, right? That's a pretty flat track. Yeah. That's going to be pretty insane on some of those corners. Yeah. And when you turn in at 237 miles an hour, <laughs> it gets your attention. You know, yeah. In the race, we geared it for 237, and halfway down the straight, we're at max and RPM, just bouncing off the rev limiter. And we could have pulled 240, no problem. And the big draft is... But the problem is, when you get in that big draft, you get to the corner, there's less grip. So you, you're trying to work out exactly... How much air is on your wings, and how hard to push it into what? Jeez, that's uh, yeah, that's something I cannot say that I've ever done. Had to worry about that. Two thirty-seven coming out of the draft. There's the see, corner. that's because you've never been to V school. You're right. I'm that's sorry. A, that's the easy joke right there. Now. What's it like to run at Long Beach, though? Because um, I, I was talking to uh, Johnny O'Connell last year before the Pirelli World Challenge stuff, and he says he loves Long Beach because there's no room for error. And he, he likes it. Oh, you don't agree with Mr. O'Connell? No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> the beer went, went down the wrong pipe. Yeah, uh, He liked it because um, there's no room for error. He liked it because it was um, an aggressive track, and you go for it and you put it all out there, and if you mess up, everybody's going to see it because you're going to be in the wall. That's why he. That's what he was saying. I think that's pretty accurate. You got to be aggressive. You got to attack, but you got to be smooth because uh, you, you, you over attack and slide the car. You're going to lose time, and you're also going to keep sliding until you hit the wall. So it, it's a it's a very unique driving style, and I love it. I think it's it's a great layout. It's a great venue, and it's got a lot of history. And that's why for me, as I said, it, it ranks as the second most important one of the year to try and win. And um, um, you have to get so close to these walls, especially at the apexes, right in the middle of the corner. That's where all the grip is. So you're trying to judge it. You're trying to carry the speed in, but get as close as you can without hitting the walls. And sometimes we get it wrong and uh, tear some shit up. <laughs> now, I, I think they should bring the, the jump back, the route where they come further up from down the hill. And <laughs> Just leave the it the super truck course like or whatever? Days. Yeah. yeah, the, the Robbie tru- Gordon. The trucks, that was cool last yeah. year. The trucks were cool, cool last year. And this year it's the 40th anniversary, so that's going to be really cool. Oh, wow. Oh, there, yeah. you're right. You're right. Um, Actually, speaking of people I think crashing in, there, in I, the, I remember. Sorry to cut you off there, but in the early years, I think they didn't they even have a podium. I think they just put all the drivers on the back of this Toyota pickup truck. Really? And, yeah, um, and they took them for a parade lap. Around. Yeah, they should bring yeah. that back. And That's then they um, they had to get some champagne, so they just went to a liquor store nearby and just bought a big magnum of champagne for those guys. It is Long Beach, though, so lock it up is Long Beach. Team so trucks. they didn't have to walk very far for a liquor store, too. Well, one, of the, one of the pro drifters got his truck broken into because it is unfortunately oh, yeah. it is Long Beach, yeah. and they stole his suit. His helmet, his GoPros, and he's like, I don't care about the GoPros. I just want my suit and my helmet back because that's that shitty. Yeah. Um, so, that, sorry, Tyler McQuarrie. Yeah, that's your worst fear. Yeah, suit and helmet. Suit and helmet. Yeah. 
I mean, people might think, oh, you can get another one of those. Like, no, that's my helmet. Like, that's – I, I carry a, that. Nobody else carries that. This is that. enough one. You can't open your closet door like a cartoon character and just have like a million suits there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, the helmets these days, we have to use the carbon fiber helmets right. and the Indy car, you know, for the protection. And, uh, was that like a $5,000 helmet? How much of those weigh? They're super Nothing. light, right? <laughs> yeah. Because I felt I felt a I was at a motorcycle store earlier and they just got a shipment of carbon fiber helmets in and this one was three pounds and I could have just thrown it across the <laughs> store. It was great. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, trying to keep the weight down obviously helps if, with an impact and stopping the, some of the inertia. But uh, but yeah, it's also the strength that it yeah. can absorb the impact but keep absorbing it time after time. So in our crashes, you don't normally hit once. You kind of hit something and bounce back and yeah. back again. So uh, yeah, it's pretty important. So I was in a short amount of time. Yeah. Now you've raced, you've raced open wheel cars and you've raced sports cars, but mostly open wheel cars. Can you kind of talk us through the mindset that you have to have in going into like the differences? Here's of the both? mindset: crazy. Right. <laughs> got it. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, you got to be a little bit crazy. You got to believe that you know it's not going to happen to you. We know. Motorsport's dangerous, but um, we don't think about that. We're thinking about how to go faster. And we're, we're always pushing the limit, trying to find that next little bit. How, how can I break later? How can I carry more speed to this high-speed corner? That's how I drive up the 405. That's how I drove to get here in that's the NSX. Like, that's how you do traffic, yeah. <laughs> I, I, actually, my mindset when I'm in that car is uh, I'm Winston Wolf from Pulp Fiction. It's, it's 15 th- minutes away. It's 30 I'll minutes be away. there in 10. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm Jeff Glucker. I solve problems. No, it, it's always fascinating to me when if I'm, I'm at a track driving a car and I finally start to get the track. You know, I feel like I'm hitting the turns. Okay, I got this apex. I got this braking zone. And then – Towards the end of the day, then I go for another ride with a pro. I'm like, God, I am just terrible. I suck at this. I want to go home. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just such a fascinating gap. Like, I mean, I guess it's – I was going to say it's probably similar to any pro sport. Like, if I hit the court with Kobe – I shouldn't say Kobe because I hate the Lakers. If I hit the court <laughs> Blake with Rajon Rondo – No, not the Clippers. Yeah, I, mean, I like the Clippers. I, Clippers, no. Celtics. Uh, if I hit the court with Rajon Rondo, um, <laughs> I would get destroyed. Uh, well, and, we also I haven't mean, been doing this since we were single-digit ages, you know? Well, maybe you've been in carts since four. Yeah, I wish. Right, um, me too. I, I should have told my dad I can't be a basketball player. Not that I could be a race car driver. <laughs> uh, still in the back of my head. Like when I go to these – the thing that bums me out is when I go to these events like, and I have my camera. I'm like, I don't want to do this. I want to do that. Right. <laughs> um, I need to start going to track days is what I need to do. Um, yeah. Go with the NSX. Now, back to – yeah. Honda would love that. Um, tell them. <laughs> well, I could make video it. of it. Um, Instagram it. Well, I'll do it tonight. I'll do Long Beach tonight. There you go. Um, so all Indy cars run the uh, – I always pronounce it wrong. Is it Delara? It's Delara. Yeah. Delara, okay. right. I always feel like I want to be Australian. Well, Delara. Um, the DeLorean. DW12 chassis that you guys run. The DeLorean. Uh, how <laughs> drastic was that chassis change compared to the IR03 cars? Well, it's been nearly 10 years, so they just did a lot of safety improvements. Um, we, you know, unfortunately for me, it came a little late, but I broke my back in 2011. I had to think about it then. Um, I went off-roading, and these cars aren't designed for that. So, Where, Which course? It was in mid-Ohio in, uh, in Ohio. It's a fast track. Yeah, turn one. <laughs> I went, went wide through turn one, tried to keep my foot in, wrestle it back onto the track, and um, you hit a couple of bumps and the car took off about three feet in the air and as it slapped down Ouch. the compression broke my back um, 
they already had it in, in the plan, but uh, that reinforced that they needed to put this extra foam underneath where you sit. Because I just sat straight on the carbon floor. So literally, between me and the ground, there's maybe eighth of an inch of carbon, and that was it. That's crazy. So, um, yeah, when I landed, it was a was it 65G impact. Oh. Apparently, that's not good for you. So, no. <laughs> so now this new car has got this extra padding underneath you. Uh, it's got this extra padding behind you. Um, it's got what we call xylon panels built into the side that stop things from penetrating through. It's carbon fiber strong in certain ways, but these, these extra panels, I don't know, some kind of space age thing, they stop things from piercing the, the tub, and that works great. So all that's built in uh, to give us a much safer car, and, and hopefully... How does it drive compared to the old car? It drives pretty good. We've got carbon fiber brakes now, so we can go really deep into the corners. Um, you know, the, the brake zones seem pretty short. Sometimes it just feels like someone's grabbed hold of you by the, the back of the head and just trying to rip your head off when you hit the brakes. To the point where when we hit the brakes, sweat will come off your face and hit the body. <laughs> That's wow. awesome. It, That's it, cool. It stops well. Um, got a lot of downforce. I mean, we go to a track in Barber, uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and we pull four and a half, nearly five Gs through some of those corners, which is F1 speed. Yeah, that's so, crazy. Uh, it's pretty impressive. Now, also, now with the, the we've got two engine manufacturers. Yeah. So the engine war pushes them on. We're getting more and more power all the time. Which what is it? Honda and Chevrolet, right? Honda and Chevrolet. I drive the Honda. Um, yeah, you had the highest Chevrolet. finish at Indy for Honda, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that was cool, but um, like I said, one go. A little bit more this year. I feel like this episode is sponsored by Honda because we're talking about the Acura outside. Great cars. Yes. And I have a Civic, which um, which is getting work done. And I had a Honda motorcycle. That counts there you something. go. Look yeah. at that. Well, uh, Chris has a pilot. Uh, wow. No, it's an element. It's an oh, element. shoot. Sorry. Uh, it doesn't matter. Same brand. Yeah. Um, exactly. That's true. That's now, the episode. you're about, I'd say, a half inch taller than I am, which means that I can fit in your car should you let me try it. <laughs> Jeff's a I can't even say that with a straight face. After the race. <laughs> yeah, after the race. I probably, and I probably can't fit in it. I'd get in there and like my gut would just like be squished from a way I didn't know was possible. Um, yeah, Justin drinks a lot less beer than both of us, I right. assume. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's the IndyCar drug policy. I'm not allowed to. <laughs> he wants to. Yeah. All right, let's, um, let's talk to you after the race. Yeah, yeah. once we get on the podium, that's where you see all the drivers. We yeah. So when you're not piloting racing machines around the planet uh, and you're back home in Colorado, what do you drive? I drive a Honda. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I have a, a Honda Ridgeline, which, you know, I throw my mountain bike. Good Colorado so, car. Yeah, yeah that go, makes sense. you got to go and find the trails. So, uh, so yeah, I, I actually drive a Honda and also got a uh, Acura MDX, which is great car. I've never talked to anybody who doesn't love their MDX. Yeah. Um, yeah. Since you're so close and the road is fully paved... You should enter your car at Pikes Peak. I think it would be take down idea. some guy. I don't know, or lobe something. You could you could drive yeah. with the Honda team because they entered like seven cars last year. They had like the like a thousand horsepower Odyssey. Hey, you should drive that up. Did Pikes they enter Peak. that at Pikes? I don't know if they entered that at Pikes Peak, but I know it had they like a, they had a Fit and they had like a CRZ and they had like a Pilot. Simon Pagano drove one of those, I think, one of the Fits. I'm trying to convince someone to let me drive a Spec B car up there, and I was this close to having Mazda, and I'm, I'm not making this up. Mazda almost gave me their Spec B car to drive up Pikes Peak because I I can't get in trouble in there. I mean, I yeah. can, but I'll be okay. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's yeah, it's 100 horsepower. 
and, you know, 100 horsepower won't matter. And plus, I'm, I'm also, I'm yeah. not going to go 10 tenths. I'll be, you know, the the early laps for the exhibition cars at, you know, 8 tenths. Talk to Gail Bay. See if you can drive that I'll be the lap. most boring lap of the day, but for me, it'll be the most exciting. You should drive that 2,000 horsepower Freightliner. Oh, yeah. See, okay. yeah, I'm sure they'll let me drive that. You can um, jump it, too. Any new cars out there that you'd like to have a go with? Street cars? There's always, there's always something. Um, actually, the last test drive I did was in uh, the McLaren. You know, the 12C? The the oh, okay. 12C, yeah. The 12C, yeah. We, we both yeah. drove. So now it's time to try the P1 and the 650? I think it's only fair. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Got to go from there. Yeah, I, that thing looks wild. That is pretty crazy. Um, what impressed me was the chassis. You know, the, the balance of the... The, the 12C was unbelievable. So yeah, was you know they're they're also killing the uh, the 12C Spider because the, I think they're the killing all 12Cs. All to, I just I thought, thought it was all. Of them. I think it's it just a spider. It's all of them. All 650 is too good, um, but which just, is which I is thought awesome. the 12C was incredible. So and 650 yeah. is apparently better. Yeah, and then I the P1's a spaceship. Wrap my mind around a beautiful that. spaceship. Yes, um, yeah. I I love that uh, a lot of these um, high end luxury high end sport automakers are embracing electronic technology. I mean, once again, stuff's filtering down from racing. Um, you know, Porsche had their GT3 Kurs cup car, which is just wicked. Yeah. I think that the motor sits here and spins to like 40,000 RPMs. Yeah, right next to you. Yeah. Um, and now the 918 exists. Yeah. And now the 919 exists too. Um, so those are pretty mean. And then McLaren has it. Uh, Ferrari has it, I think. Yeah, Ferrari does have it. Ferrari. Ferrari, the Ferrari, um, La Ferrari by Ferrari. And I think there's a, maybe one or one or two other ones that I'm forgetting that are just they're embracing I think, this. Notion. I think that's it because right now is the supercar it? wars is Porsche 918, P1, and the La Ferrari Ferrari Ferrari. So <laughs> that's the worst. That's yeah. the oh, worst course, name there's, ever. There's oh, yeah, also the Koenigsegg 11, which but actually that, does not have that doesn't any have electronic, any electronic assist. It's just thousand. That thing's going to be the most powerful car on the planet out of a 5.0 liter turbocharger. And the turbocharger is probably the size of you and Jeff. And then there's the Hennessy Venom for America, America um, that nobody counts, unfortunately. Sorry, you what, John? Uh, even though I think it's amazing. And what whatever Bugatti's got to come out with. Nothing. Bugatti's dumb. Oh, hey, <laughs> come on. Hey, don't let Fernard Pierce hear, hear you say that because he's going to shoot lasers out of his eyes and blow your head off. <laughs> nice. That's how he works. Nice. Um, so we were just at the, uh, the Peterson Museum talking about some of the – we were talking about new cars for a second there. We like to talk about old cars on this show too because um, old cars are cool. Um, the Peterson had this exhibit where they had a bunch of celebrities uh, pick their favorite sports coupe, and they did not ask me because I would have picked the Miata coupe that they made in the mid-2000s, and Jeff would have picked his Civic Si. No, I wouldn't have. No, you wouldn't have. No, I wouldn't have. Um, you would have I, picked a Subaru XT. No, I wouldn't have. <laughs> um, I would have picked – well, one of the choices I thought was – so there was some beautiful cars, uh, like classic stuff. Um, I did like the fact that there was an NSX there, and I drove in an NSX. Yeah. That was cool. But there was a 63 Corvette picked by the Top Gear USA guys, which was a good choice by them. I mean yeah. – um, That's very American too. And Ian Callum picked a DB4 Zagato. Good choice by Ian Callum. Yeah. Um, there was uh, an actual Ford GT40 Mark Mark III. Mark III, beautiful car. The civilian version. Uh, there was an ESO Revolta, which was an no, awesome it's a choice. Oh, was it a Grifo? Okay, great choice. Uh, there was a Jaggy type coupe. There was a Mercedes 300 SL. So, like, just classic, awesome coupes. Nick, Nick Mason from Pink Floyd picked a 250 GTO that was silver. And Adam, I was talking to Adam Carolla before we were there, and he picked a 250 Lusso. Like, it is dark red. Gore. It's my favorite Ferrari, and it was the most beautiful car there. And Adam Carolla goes, eh, you know. Yeah, you could do a 250, but uh, 
That's kind of that's your that's yeah. your Corolla. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, but that's it. You know. Uh, well, that's why he should have picked a two forty. I asked him about that, and he was like, "Yeah." I I see. I would have picked. He's never going to be in this podcast now. No, I know. Damn, uh, sorry. A, a Toyota two thousand GT would have been interesting. Ooh, damn! I would have picked that. Uh, I but I prop the Toyota two thousand GT. Um, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, the. I probably would have went with the the either that Mercedes SL because I love Mercedes. Yeah. Um, Bruce Meyer had that. Ferrari 250 was a good choice too. Yeah, Bruce Meyer had it. And it was dusty, which was weird. Yeah, because I, I asked Bruce and he was like, oh, it's because I drive it all the time. Good which is him. awesome. So there was a lot of cool cars there. Um, if you had to pick an iconic coupe, what would you pick? Um, and you can be as British as you want. Yeah, I would go, I would go British and go with the Jaguar. Yeah. Probably... D-type. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. I, I drove, um, I think it was an X, uh, X, XK, XKSS. Yes, I think I drove an XKSS. I think they... We did an event when I was driving for Jaguar back in 2003. It was at Indianapolis. And we came over and they, you know, brought us in. It was myself and Mark Webber. It's like, okay, you're in that car, you're in that car, and off you go. <laughs> okay. And this... This Jaguar was just a dream to drive. I thought it was. It wasn't a D type. It was the. It was the XK, um, and it was just so nice, so well balanced. It just floated through the corner, like you see them on the the old footage, you know, t- you know the video footage of the cars sliding mm-hmm. through the corners. Yeah, very graceful, and that's what it was like. And I, I remember I came in, and the guy goes, oh, "You got to take it really easy. You know, look after <laughs> this car. It's worth a bit." I said, "I am. I'm." I'm hardly putting any input. The car's doing just all the yeah. Time. It's dancing. It's great. Yeah. It's the, the Peterson has the XKS SS that Steve McQueen had. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's I cool. have that model at, at home. You know, the little. Um, it's it's such a gorgeous car. BRG. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. it's the, a beautiful. Thing car. is, though, I actually asked the Peterson about that, and they were like, "No convertibles, only coupes." And Ian Callum made us uh, was a stickler about the coupe. So if you had to pick a coupe and not the drop top, I suppose. I hate to be that guy, but I'm being that. Well, there's, guy. I mean, there's the. E, you can just go with the E-type coupe. E-type, yeah. E-type, okay. The, the E-type was uh, a classic car, and you know, still, at one point in, in my life, I'd like to actually restore one of those. And you know, I think you'd better off just buying one. Cheaper. I drove one last year for two days, and it was two of the greatest days of my life. I drove it around Tahoe convertible, and it was it was the 4.2 with the four-speed manual, nice. and it was just like you said. You, you're just you're not even being hard on the car. You're just loving every second of it. The, the straight six sounds so good, and that car is just fantastic. A friend of a friend bought a um, not that much of a basket case E-type, but it was just kind of rough <laughs> around the edges. It was he bought it for thirty grand, and then he spent a hundred sixty grand bringing it up to concourse spec. That seems insane. That's a little insane. Uh, yeah, that's. You know how many crazy. Miatas you could buy for that much money? You could buy every Miata. Right. Every one of them. Um, speaking of exciting coupes, uh, that NSX, I know I talked about it on the last episode, but I'm still in it. Have you ever driven one of those? I have, yeah. It's just so good. Yeah. It feels like you're sitting right behind the front axle, so your, your vision is insane. Yeah. You're, you're up there against the glass. And- but then also the seating position is... So awesome. I love this car so much. It's very well thought out, yeah. And uh, it rotates really well. This is, um, it's very easy to drive. It's incredibly easy to drive. You it know, is the easy shifter's easy. The clutch isn't punishing it at all. And, and not in the sense that a GTR is easy to drive. Right. Like that's, that's a different type of easy to drive. This is just a beautiful sports car with one of the best gearboxes ever in a production car. And oh, I love this car so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're, they're fun. 
actually did a, his, many years ago, I did a track day and got to drive both the, uh, the GTR, Nissan GTR and the Honda NSX all at the same time. Ferrari 360, that's showing how old it was. Um, <laughs> now this one must have been like an R34 GTR. Yeah. Yeah, wow. So um, that was a lot of fun. Just yeah. Smashing <laughs> these cars around the track. On the track oh, that's always fun, isn't it? Yeah. You know, carbon ceramic brakes, I think they were on the uh, on the R34 at that point. So right. that thing stopped. Yeah. The, folks at, the folks at Aston Martin looked at me funny once because I asked if you could get stainless as an option instead of carbon ceramics because I'm so sick of street cars. They've gotten better, but the first batch of carbon ceramics, you pull up at every stoplight, and so everybody looks at you like you're an asshole. I, My wife's asking me why the car's <laughs> broken. Like, oh, they're, they're brakes. They're made for racetracks. It's, I had, it's uh, cool. I had racing brakes on my – I had racing brake pads on my car, and I remember I was picking up a friend to go to a, like a party or something, and she was like, oh, my god, you need to change your brakes. And I didn't have the heart to tell her they're racing brake pads. Yeah. They're racing. You didn't have the heart. You were too embarrassed. I was embarrassed. It was awkward. <laughs> yeah, those those are bad. Yeah, but like, but I and I was at it's a, a well. launch event for an Aston. Like, is it optional to get stainless? And they go, Why would you want that? And like, I didn't want to say because I so I don't sound like an asshole at every drive-through. <laughs> like when I go to get coffee in the morning, um, but I they wouldn't have liked that. Yeah, because that signified in an Aston. You imagine James Bond going, Oh, hey, I'm gonna go pick up this for. <laughs> 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 In front of the Monte Carlo Casino. See, that's a good. That's a better example than my example. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, you're looking forward to the race this weekend. Obviously, big things in store. Last year was third. Podiums are good. Top of the podium is better. Yeah, wins are better. So that's the only thing people remember long term is is who won. So that's what we want to do. And um, you know, it, this is one of those races. Anything can happen. Right. I think it's going to be hard fought. Strong pace. It seems like this year, you know, the the level of driving is is increased again. So um, you can't leave anything on the table. You got to push the car the whole time, and you know, hopefully we can we can battle it out and get a good qualifying. Because last year we qualified twenty third, I think it was. We had an issue, didn't didn't get out for qualifying. So we came from behind, and that's way from way behind. That's yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah. We, we managed to. Make it up to the front. Who uh, had the early crash last year? Was it Dixon? I was in the grandstands and he somebody crashed right in front of me, and it was my first IndyCar race. I was like, "Wow, this is this is is crazy." I think it was. It's the the, so there's the back straight where you go under the overpasses, and then the turn into the grandstands, and somebody hit the wall and went over right there. Yeah, I can't remember. Was it? I want to say Sabedra hit pretty good. Yeah, Uh, he he hit pretty good there. So. I, I think it was early in the race too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not that we want to see that happen, yeah, obviously. The track yeah. up as, as we go along. Yeah. And, um, and once you get off that racing line with all the rubberers and all the grip, you get off there and it's back to dusty, dirty, you know, street. So you suddenly. So it's a drastic difference, and yeah, you really need that's, that. That's where you end up getting big crashes because you're on this very thin thread. You know, trying to get through the corner and then you get on the dirty section. And I'm assuming they have to clean up though the the drift section from Formula, or they leave it. No, because because oh, it's it's, it's black. It's completely yeah. black. The, I went home that day. I was cleaning flecks of rubber out of my hair, which was yeah. it was awesome, but it was crazy. Yeah. And they had to clean up after all those crashes that happened during Formula Drift. Yes, yeah, there are a lot of big accidents. That was fun. Uh, it was exciting though. Uh, it was good stuff. But when those guys crash, they like laugh and smile and just go duct tape and and. Um, you zip ties, which is funny. Yeah. Um, so, I'd like to give that a try at some point. <laughs> oh, I, th- I, I think... It's Frankenstein your car. Almost any race car driver you talk to is kind of like, oh, yeah, I, I 
they kind of want to do it too. Because every now and then, if you go into a power slide, you're like, oh, good, I caught it. <laughs> like, oh, we didn't want that to happen. And uh, but then you see these guys are their steering angles. I, I have some still photos where I mean the ter- the tires, the angle on them is just insane. Um, one of my favorite stories about a drift car is I was at a um, a shakedown or uh, they're they're filling the car. Reese Millen and his dad, Pikes Peak, a couple years ago, the last year that it wasn't fully paved. It was the year that Tajima broke ten minutes, but this was a couple weeks before, and uh, Reese was there and he's letting his dad Rod drive um, his his car to do a different class and compete against Jeff Swart and some of those guys. And uh, his dad's funny. He goes, I, I just told Reese I didn't want no fucking drift car. And sure enough, he's driving <laughs> Reese's Hyundai drift car. And so they had to reduce a bunch of steering angle on it and do this. stuff. So that, that Rod Millen's drift car line is my favorite drift car story, even though it's not really a drift car story. But uh, yeah. <laughs> getting off topic. And I, I got a red with uh, Reese Millen uh, last week, actually, because remember, I, I went out to Lake Elsinore when they were testing a Veloster for GRC. And it broke. And Five minutes, like not even five minutes after they unloaded it off the trailer, they he, he like did a couple S turns around the parking lot, lined it up to go like just launch it, and the alternator belt broke, which broke the cam cover, which is plastic, which broke the cam belt, which broke the timing, which bent a valve, all within like ten minutes since I got there. So just Reese has had some serious. So it was like me, Reese, their new uh, Emma Gilmore, which is their new New Zealand uh, uh, dri- co-driver, and then um, like the Hyundai PR guys who just went to go get pie at Coco's. <laughs> and then a few weeks later, at I mean, like I think, of, yeah, a few weeks later at uh, uh, San Pedro, they had um, Red Bull GRC had a, like a media day, so they finally fixed a car, and I got a ride with them, and it was great. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, boring story. I'm sorry. Yeah. GRC, they will recruit any. I don't think you'll need to raise two million dollars. I think someone can get you into a drift car. <laughs> yeah. um, especially this weekend, right? um, you can make connections this weekend yeah. to set it up. A bunch of them are in Mexico right now doing a demo. Um, there you go. The, the, the other thing that's happening this weekend is Robbie Gordon Stadium trucks. Yeah, they look fun to drive those things look awesome. Yeah. Now, uh, since we have you here, uh, if you want to tell everybody listening uh, where they can find you online, like Twitter and all that good stuff. Do it all. We've got Twitter, Justin underscore Wilson. Um, even website, justinwilson.co.uk. They're the main ones. Also, delcoinracing.com. Um, so, you know, pretty much from any of those, you can find out anything you need to know. Find, you know, Facebook and YouTube and all that fun stuff. IndyCar's website is always handy, so... There's lots of ways to follow and keep up with what's going on. Um, even got my own app that's on the app store. So really? <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's just a collection of all the social media and pictures and images from the event. So that's cool. Uh, Pretty convenient. Put it in one place for everyone to follow. Nice. And you're also Justin Wilson on Facebook as well. Like you have a page. Uh, yep. Justin. Uh, I'm trying to think what my Facebook is now. It's automatically sold in my phone. I just <laughs> turn it on yeah. so you forget. Justin Wilson Racing is the Facebook. Nice. Um, and then anything anything you, you'd like to plug while you're sitting here with the mic in front of your face? Watch watch Long Beach Grand Prix this weekend. Yeah. Or watch it last weekend. Yeah. That's true. Always good to, to go back and watch last week's race. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then where, where's where's uh, the next race? We're moving on to uh, Barber in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. And then from there, we go up to Indianapolis to race the Indianapolis GP. Um, and also then the Indianapolis 500. So Awesome. We, we, Got a busy schedule coming up. This, this season, it's all condensed into uh, six months, so we're on the road a lot. We're keeping busy, but it should be good fun. Do you guys always race at Barber? 
Yeah, okay. yeah, we've raced there for the last five years. Oh, okay. It's it's a fun track. A lot of elevation change. Yeah. Now. Yeah. I just saw some video of uh, some cars being tested out there. It looks like a pretty awesome track. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely a cool place to go. And they got a fantastic museum as well. Yeah. You know the motorcycle. The motorcycle museum, museum is great. Got, got all the sorts in there. You've got some cars and. What what is your car number right now? Number nineteen. Nineteen. Okay. It's red, white, and blue. Boy Scouts of America. Sonny's Barbecue. So you, you can't miss it. Perfect brands. Yeah. <laughs> are you are you sponsored by Boy Scouts of America? Yeah. That's great because I was an Eagle Scout. Wait, oh, the Sunnies in yeah. Memphis? Uh, or is that a different one? Uh, I see the. It's Dale a chain Co- through the southeast. Yeah, oh, okay. It's a chain and Dale Coyne, who owns Dale Coyne Racing, um, he owns uh, so many of these Sunnies Barbecue chains around Florida. Because I'm 99 percent sure I got Sunnies Barbecue as a as a like a gift pack as a groomsman gift a couple years ago, and it was delicious. Yeah. If it's the same Sunnies, it, well, we'll just say it's the same Sunnies regardless. Yeah, barbecue and Boy Scouts, that's great. That's uh, a dream. Uh, Blake, uh, tell everybody where they can find you. As always, BZ Ron on Twitter, BZ R-O-N-G, and uh, keep reading me at autoweek.com. Perfecto. Um, follow me at Jay Glucker on Twitter and also The Hooniverse. Uh, check out the updates we've made to our YouTube channel at YouTube slash The Hooniverse. Um, also, if you want to get your own podcast, go to shoutengine.com. And as we always say, get your own damn podcast. Uh, there's tons more signing up. Uh, the, I think we said it already last week. The Seattle Mariners are now on the same, uh, Seattle Mariners, uh, Garnet on games, Garnet on games. Uh, smoking tire guys, obviously ammo, New York city, and then Micah, bam, bam, white. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, those are the only ones I listen to, but the rest are also good too. Sorry. Sorry, Chris, uh, <laughs> rank and review us on iTunes so we can climb the ladder. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry, Chris right. rank and review us on iTunes. Uh, so we can climb that podcast ladder and Blake can keep doing his Corolla impressions this yeah, time. In well, front then of next Corolla. year will be next year will be Peterson. We'll be invited to the Peterson as celebrities. It'll be great if you keep doing that. If absolutely. I keep doing that, I definitely will be. Uh, and then uh, Justin, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been a real pleasure. No, thank you very much. And uh, we wish you nothing but an amazing season. Thank you. We'll be there. I'll be there in the stands rooting for you on Sunday. Exactly. Right. Same. I'll look for you. Yeah. All right, guys. That's episode fifty-five. See you next week.